So how do you know when to stop? Uh, That's the question. <laughs> never stop. Oh. Never stop until the ideas stop no, coming. No, I mean like finish the book. You know, how do you, yeah, how oh, do you know okay. when you... So it's... That's a very interesting question. It's not exactly like a voice in my head because um, I'm not trying to get institutionalized, but it's more of... <laughs> I kind of like to think of it as like a teapot in my head that when I'm writing, the teapot is pouring out. Yeah. And just so, oh, okay. you know, when, 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 when you're pouring the tea out of the teapot, you can feel the weight getting lighter. Yeah. And you can kind of feel when it's nearing the end. This podcast is brought to you by Rebecca Castles of the Rising Dawn series. Do you like violence? Do you like smut? Are you tired of the stereotypical novels of werewolf romance out there and want something a little bit different? Then pick up Sparked Revolution, book one in the Rising Dawn series by Rebecca Castles. Available on Amazon, in Kindle and paperback. You too can become a sponsor of Stories to True and the Fictional by heading on over to buymeacoffee.com slash S-T-T-A-T-F or follow the link in the show notes. Hello guys and welcome to this episode of Story Chat. Uh, I am your host, Jay Bryden. With me is Ryan. How are we doing, Ryan? I'm good, mate. Yourself? Living living the dream. Um, living the dream. Bring, living the dream. Uh, I say that a lot. Before we bring in our guest, uh, don't forget to check out our other episodes, uh, The Middle Ages Comic Hour and Stories, The True and The Fictional, all on the same feed. Check them out. Got something for everyone on this uh, podcast, but today with us, or tonight, we have James Michaels. How are we? Good. How are you doing today? Well, I'd say living the dream, but I've already said that. Um... It's already, did you say that every week? <laughs> well, I'll think of something Every time we do time. an episode. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Well, thanks for joining us, James. Um, as every, as all our listeners would know, that we love to do icebreakers, especially with guests when they come on. So we're going to hit you up with some icebreakers if you're ready. I'm ready. Hit me. Okay, number one. If you could get rid of one thing in the world, what would it be? I would get rid of Halloween trick-or-treat buckets. Yeah, it's very specific. So, Excellent. And then know, elaborate. Um, uh, no, my, no, just my, leave it like that, and that's it. That's it. That, that's your answer. No elaboration. Halloween treat buckets, and then, and then you, you could next time you come back on, people are going to be messaging us saying, "Why Halloween treat bucket?" No, no, elaborate, elaborate, James. Elaborate. Oh, uh, uh, sorry. Yeah, the reason why is because um, I always been trick or treating with a, a pillowcase, get candy, and so okay. why why go get a bucket when you can just go get a pillowcase and get more candy that way? That's yes, I can see that. <laughs> I took I took my uh, I took my my oldest trick or treating, um, and uh, uh, I got him one of his pillowcases off his off his bed. I said, "We don't need a bucket, son." Take this. Fill this up. Sounds comfortable to sleep on, but no, we don't have, yeah. Well, we don't. We don't really. We we sort of 
I guess Australia's been late to the party Halloween style mm. over here. Uh, we never mm. like we. I remember when I was a kid, we never really did it. We never we wasn't a thing. All my any any time I asked my dad, he's like, "We don't live in America, so we're not doing it." So, um, but yeah, it's like, I think slowly but surely, um, it's sort of integrated its way into Australian society. Yeah. Where I mean, we still haven't had any at our place, but. Um, yeah, it's 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 weird. It's like I, I love Halloween mainly because I'm a massive horror fan, but it's just uh, yeah, I never really we never really got to experience the whole trick or treating thing. Well, on the plus side, you guys won't be as effective if I go all Thanos on all the Halloween trick or treat baskets. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> that's true. That's, <laughs> never that's thought true. about that. They, they, they actually, and then, and then and then when it becomes a thing, we'll be able to start with the pillowcases. Yes. Well, they actually do Halloween up at uh, at the park near me. Um, so it's slowly, it's coming okay. in. It's apparently it's getting more popular. But um, well, my town's perfect for trick or treating, and you know, but but now now they put a notice out that you got to well, if, if if you have candy, you got to tie a red ribbon to your letterbox or something to let kids know. Because a lot of our yeah. place, every nearly every house in my town has dogs, <laughs> you know, and it's like the front gate. And so you've you got to get past the dogs if you want to knock on the door. And it's, yeah. Over here, we just have them, uh, whoever's participating, they just turn the porch light on. That's cool. Okay. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. A lot less effort than just putting some red ribbon around. I mean, if, I wish we would be smart enough to do that. Yeah, but the thing is, uh, the during Halloween time, the sun doesn't go down till. Like oh, yeah, true. Yeah, we're <laughs> weird. Yeah. <laughs> we're weird. We're weird over here. We don't get dark until really late. At the yeah. moment, I think even with daylight savings, where it doesn't really get dark till about eight o'clock. Yeah, about eight o'clock at the yeah. moment. So yeah. Really? Yeah. It's about six mm-hmm. o'clock over here. And then the uh, oh wow, six, six, I wish it was six o'clock. And then it's like with Christmas, it's like midsummer here, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And we still get people dressed as Santa. <laughs> and you're going, mm. aren't you dying, sir? <laughs> <laughs> oh you got sand over there okay cool oh yeah it's, it's a given <laughs> uh, but what he does i don't know i don't know if this happens in, in in your part of the world but at least in my town and i know in smaller towns santa rides around in a fire truck and waves to people um he doesn't do that here maybe some parades but yeah. usually he's just kind of waiting at the mall and then he does his thing with the sleigh on yeah. Christmas Eve, and that's about it. Yeah, that's about no, it. Well, I mean, I do forget that I live in a town with like eighteen hundred people, so <laughs> it's tiny. We were actually just at a parade um, about an hour ago with the, with the kids, and uh, you know we, we were waiting to see Santa, but it was getting really cold. It was um um okay. I I I haven't gotten the measurements. I know we go by different. <laughs> Temperature variations. It was about forty <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit uh, where I'm at. Yeah. So one of us will have to Google that later, and then you'll go, "Oh wow, that's that, that's freezing." I'll, I'll throw it up on the screen if I remember. <laughs> okay, for reference, awesome. Yeah. Oh, Ryan, do you want to take the next one? Next question. Yeah, no worries. Okay, so this is a nice, simple one. Um, what's something that's on your bucket list? On my bucket list, um. Let's see, uh, I want to be on the 
I'm gonna go on the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, okay. Oh, really? Huge. Okay. 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 Well, do you, you're a big, big Rogan fan? Um, off and on, like I don't listen to everybody that that he brings on. Yeah. I just kind of like, I just like how the conversation goes. We just kind of sit there and just like you know yeah. talk about just life and just how weird mm-hmm. some systems are that we kind of think is not weird. And he's like, you know, hey, it's kind of weird how we all do this at such and such yeah. times, and it makes you think like. Yeah, that is weird. Why do we do that? I don't know. I just found that. I just I, I just find it interesting. You know, it's kind of just depending on who he brings on, and yeah. um, you know, it just gives me a new perspective. Yeah. Well, it's quite random with like who he gets on there from time. Like you'll talk about Robert Downey Jr. on there, and then then he'll have you know Jordan Peterson, and it's just like it's just like he'll talk to anyone. So, yeah, he had a Rob Zombie on one time. It was a very good episode. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Rob Zombie, real down to earth guy, you know. Just yeah, yeah. He like, yeah. He says he says like, he makes movies. He he was funny too because he he had this one reference where he's talking about his movies and how like how they get successful. And he's like, it's just so funny that some of them get successful. In my head, it's like, wow, I fooled them again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's such a. I'm a. I'm a big, big, big rock zombie fan. I love all his movies. Love his music. Um, and yeah, it's it's it's. He 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 has to be my one of my like. If I really need something to cheer me, I know it's weird horror, but to cheer me up, I'll I'll you know I'll go for one of his like House of a Thousand Corpses or Devil's Rejects or Thirty One or something mm-hmm. like that. And um, yeah, he, he's a really. If you watch any, I've watched a series. Um, on uh, you guys have got Shudder over there um, uh, with Eli Ross's House of Horror, and they have a sit-down interview with him about his about his version of Halloween. And um, yeah, really, really down. Not not the kind of guy you would expect the voice you would expect to come out of, you know that that sadistic, creative mind that he has. Um, really right. down to earth guy, really big family man, and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, it's a, definitely. I'll have to check. I'm not a massive Joe Rogan fan, but I'll have to go and and search out that episode and give that a listen. I think that'll be really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good thing. That's awesome. a good thing about it, though. You don't have to like Joe Rogan. It's just a. It's an interesting conversation, you know. Yeah, right. I'm not a massive Joe Rogan fan yeah. myself, unfortunately. Like, like, but I'll, yeah. Um, See, I I didn't know who he was. Like, this is how sheltered I am. I didn't know who he was until there was like this podcast. I go, oh, okay. So he was this guy, you know, before the podcast, you know. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Let's get to the laughing part and the most judgmental part of the all the icebreakers. Uh, Ryan's sees Ryan's face. He's beginning to form into his his judge judge hat judge judge guy. <laughs> yeah. So James, what is the greatest sitcom ever made? Um, I would have to say probably All in the Family. Right. It was, um, it, it, have you guys seen this uh, this sitcom? I have. I've heard of it, but I've never actually seen it myself. We've actually had this answer before. So it was um, a sitcom that came out. Okay, the, you guys probably know it was a sitcom that aired in the U.S. Uh, during the seventies, and. Uh, the, you know, the titular character is Archie Bunker, who is this uh, pre-World War II generation who um, the, the, the biggest running running uh, 
not gag, but the running uh, uh, trope in the show is that his daughter's boyfriend, who would then become his son-in-law, Michael, is a baby boomer, kind of born at, um, after the events of World War II. And okay. what's amazing about it is you just have these two very different generations constantly butting heads, represented by Archie and Michael. And then Archie is this, you know, he's very conservative, just totally, you know, everything, hates, you know, the Jimmy Carter at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Michael is just a pure liberal, uh, uh, American liberal. And just, you know, it, I don't know. I just, I just love it, especially me. I'm kind of like an amateur history buff, especially in uh, U.S. history between like the industrial age up until the modern times. And um, it's just fascinating just kind of watching these two representatives of these two different generations just constantly like, you know, you really kind of see the perspective of where they both come from, mm. you know, especially during that time period. It's a, it was a very um, rough time period in our life, given that most of, most of the 70s was uh, we were still in the Vietnam War, which ended, yeah. I believe, in about 76. Mm-hmm. And that was it was it, it was like one of the first times like like we had had the Korean War, which wasn't as talked about. And then World War Two, you know, everybody supported the military. And then in Vietnam, it was yeah. very divided. So it was yeah. it's just very fascinating time very good show a lot of humor and even at like at the end of the day though they butted heads all the time there was still that love they had for each other mm-hmm. cool. so okay. i think i think that's i'd say that one's the greatest awesome i also love boy meets world okay, well. <laughs> yeah <laughs> number two okay right. <laughs> sorry one of our <laughs> one of our last guests gave us four so we're like like, like, yeah, these, these are the runner-ups. Really <laughs> yeah. All right. What's okay. the next question? Right. Well, question? Question number four is: What would be your zombie apocalypse plan? Um, I've thought about this. So, <laughs> either, um, um, both of them. So it, it's two. It's two strategies. Both of them would be very violent. Uh. One, I would try to recruit people to go and start taking back small towns with mm-hmm. that the, are filled with zombies and then try to recruit other people as we're going along until eventually we can take back not a major city, but larger towns so that we can rebuild some settlements and try to establish perimeters to keep them out. The other strategy is I would be a raider. I would just be one of those people that would, because I don't have really any survival skills, so I can't mm-hmm. go out in the woods. I would die. So I really have no, I would have no choice but to um, join a raider group. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's unfortunate, but you know, I'm, I have to be honest with myself. Um, <laughs> I probably wouldn't be Rick Grimes. I would be more like, uh, Oh. Not Negan. I would. I would. I wouldn't go that far. But I. I would. I would probably be a raider. I, I'd. I'd probably be the chick from Zombieland Two that lived in the mall. Have <laughs> 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 uh, you seen Zombieland Two? I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. 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 It was um. 
my opinion is it, it was just as good as Zombieland. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It wasn't. It, it, it wasn't better, but it wasn't worse. It was no, like it was, it was the same just quality. as good. It's like it's right. It's like it's like I would say watch them both together. Yeah. Well, that's that's like me with Back to the Future. I cannot pick a favorite. They're all mm-hmm. good movies, you know. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Now look at that. Speaking of speaking of speaking of time travel. <laughs> So, Mr. Elon Musk calls you up and offers you to test drive his new electric time machine. Because let's face it, if someone was going to make a time machine, it would be Elon Musk and it would be electric. Uh, so what do you do? Where do you go? Uh, would I be able to go back to, to my uh and, Anyway, time? you got one trip back and forth. Back and forth? Or forward and back, whichever way you want to say it. Man, I'd, I'd, I'd probably... <laughs> I'd probably go back and give Bill Gates his first five grand. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and say, hey, hey, okay, Bill, I'm giving you five grand. Yeah. Um, I want <laughs> I want a percentage of the company. It, it yeah. could be one percent, a percentage, and then, yeah. then go back. No, um, honestly, if I if I had to go back, I would really want to I, I would really want to see America in late 1880s into the, the 1910s. Um, America itself, you know, it really didn't become this kind of like big, huge, like, like economic superpower that it was until actually a little later in its life. We didn't just, you know, you know, become an independent nation. All of a sudden we were um, seen as so amazing. It was really around like, the late 1800s when characters like Carnegie and Rockefeller, Vanderbilt, um, Ford, when these characters came out and really just kind of these, uh, Morgan, these few select men kind of really just, you know, just really like they, they built America. There, there there's a, yeah. a documentary, a documentary series about these men. I would love to see, um, I would love to, to like shadow these men, just kind of like see like what like like what go like what is in the mindset of such a person is able to do these amazing yeah. feats, but it's also a very controversial character because all of them were very controversial characters. So probably around that time, you know, late eighteen eighties into the early nineteen uh, twenties. Nice. Okay. Okay. I like that. And there's no there's nothing stopping you from, you know. Swinging by Bill Gates's palace on the way back and giving him a couple of grand and just saying, "Hey, you know, just invest right. in this thing and you know, you make make a little bit of money on the way back." Oh, you, no, you have to do yeah. the back to, back to the future thing and like, so you only get one trip, but leave, write a, write a note, put some money in it, and note, then leave, yeah. and leave yeah. it with the post office, and they'll hand it to him at a specific date and specific time. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's the icebreakers done. So uh, I think you passed. A lot of good answers there. Awesome. Um, now let's let's get on to why you're why you're here. In 1932, the Australian Army declared war on 20,000 emus and lost. It's a part of Australian history that not many know about. Maybe that's because history is written by those who win. So if you want to hear the full story of the Great Emu War of 1932, then check out my book, Letters from the Emu War. 
read letters, newspaper articles, and journal entries. With every turn of the page, you will gain a deeper understanding of the life and times of emus at war. So head on over to jabryden.com and grab a signed copy today. You're, you're an author. You've written a whole lot of books. So where did that journey start for you? How would you get into writing? Well, um, I'm actually a bit of a late bloomer. I didn't start writing until I was uh, 25. Um, before then, I was actually very interested in uh, criminal justice, and mm-hmm. I was planning on becoming a uh, police officer. I ended up instead uh, joining the uh, Department of Corrections, which, as as the disclaimer, because I've mentioned that and I still work there, um, anything I say on here is not my is is anything I say on here is only my opinion. Doesn't reflect that of the department. I'm not a spokesman, yeah. um, so this is all just me. I'm not representing them yeah. in any way. So uh, I started working there, and you know, just after a while, I was really uh, getting comfortable with the job. And I realized that I really didn't have a desire to move upward in the department or uh, pl- apply for another job. And I kind of realized that eventually, I w- you know, around that time, I started growing a family. I got married. I started having kids. And I don't know. I, I just started, like, looking for challenges for myself kind of outside of work. Like, like okay, like. I'm going to maybe I'll learn a language or I will take a class or I'll write a book. And I've always been an avid reader ever since I was a kid, especially with true crime and crime thriller. And I just, mm-hmm. on a lark, I started writing and I had no idea where I was going with it. I just started writing. I started with chapter one and Halfway through the book, I realized, wow, this book's getting pretty long. I thought it was going to be a, a one and done. I'm going to have to make this into a series. And then I had other ideas start popping up in my head. And I realized, wow, like this is really something. And I realized that that was the part of me that I was kind of missing all my life was, you know, of the question of what am I naturally good at? And it was surprising because I, I wouldn't have thought writing would have been my talent because I didn't like it when I was in high school because, but back then that was because you're writing what they're telling you to write. They pick the topic, you write about it and then you get your grade. It, you know, Mm -hmm. but looking back at it now, there were some telltale signs that I didn't think about back then that are so blatant obvious to me now. When I was a teenager, I did kind of start writing a book. And the three weeks later, I threw it off and said, okay, this is silly. I'm done. Mm. But that's actually that was actually what made me finish my first book. I remembered that and I said, okay, I quit the last time I tried. I'm not quitting this time. Like, I'm going to see this through. Um, and I also realized that in high school, you know, middle school, whatever, whenever I was given – a writing subject that was totally free will, my idea only. I did very well in it. Um, one such project was: Have you guys ever read The Outsiders? Yeah, uh, not, not personally. There, um, there was a project where my teacher made us write 
an extra chapter in the book, like, like, you know, push the ending back a little bit. And I did that and I got like an A plus on the project. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was, it's, it was those instances back in the, my teenage years that again, by themselves, I didn't think anything of it. And now they're just so obvious to me. And I just delved into it. Like, you know, this talent became my desired career. And five years later, at the age of 30, I have five published books. Wow. So, yeah, it's been, it's, it's, an, it's been an amazing ride. Yeah, sound, sounds like it. But I think, I think you, I think you hit the, the, the nail on the head, you know, um, if you if it's if it's forced, like when you're in high school and you have to write, and it's like, okay, this is a topic you're going to write about. This is what, how many pages, whatever you got to do. It's it's not it's, that's not where the passion comes from. I think it's when you get to use your own free will and your own ideas and creativity and and all of that, where it actually becomes more more of a passion and more more interesting and and can hold. Mm-hmm. You know, as you said, you know, turn you ended up finishing the book, and it is now, you know, you're up to you're up to five. So, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it didn't really be. It, it's not something that a lot of people would see as a passion if you're forced to do it. Um, right. You know what I mean? So I think when you, you when you make the decision, I want to write, and I'm going to do this for something that I want to do. You know, it's it's always going to come out better. Definitely, I agree. I agree with that. Awesome. So, um, what what are some of your influences, or, or like, ob- obviously, you um, started writing. Uh, was there anyone that you kind of drew inspiration from, like any favorite authors? Um, Mario Puzo, who wrote the yep. uh, the Godfather. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I loved the romantic way that he portrays his uh, his gangster characters and as somebody who many of my characters are gangsters a lot of my even some of my protagonists um yeah it was it was very it it, it i love the just the romanticism the old dramatic just kind of beautiful way that these that that, that he writes these men like almost as if they're the good guys mm-hmm. You know, like Don Corleone, Michael, um, when really they're actually like dangerous people. Uh, you know, they've they've killed men, had men killed, but we love them for it. Uh, similar to like you know, like Tony Soprano. Um, yeah, I like James Patterson. I think yep. his uh, growing up, I followed his Alex Cross series, mm-hmm. and that was a big influence for me was following the Alex Cross series because the way he wrote Alex Cross, you just, especially as a kid, it's like you kind of grow up with that character, especially him and his family. And that's really something I want to do with uh, my own series. My ice series is create a protagonist that the reader kind of feels like they're really growing with, you know, that they're on the ride Mm -hmm. with this person granted in a different, uh, in a much different setting because my protagonist in the ice series is, a villain. He's he, he's actually uh, uh, he starts off as a young criminal and then he becomes a crime boss. But it sort of has the the Breaking Bad esque um, style to it. So you, where you kind of understand where he's coming from, 
but you don't condone his actions. And then you just yeah. watch as as he's hit with event after event that kind of brings out that corruption and, and throws him further and further down the hole as as he rises in power in the underworld. With, with the Godfathers, is is that what got you into the whole um, crime crime thriller um, crime stories that you write, or was that something you thought about prior to that? Partially, um, Godfather is my favorite movie series, one of my favorite books. But I was also interested in true crime, so I also followed writers like uh, T.J. English, mm. who wrote about like the Cuban mafia, the Irish mob. Um, the Mafia's time in Havana, uh, Havana, Cuba. Now, I've always been interested in that world, whether in the nonfiction or the fictional world. Probably because it's it's not something that I was really well acquainted with growing up. So it's like this almost almost like an alternate reality, like like a different way that you see the world that most people don't see. And for me, it was just very fascinating. And I think that's what really got me into kind of pursuing criminal justice in the beginning of my life. Um, because I was always just so, I just wanted to learn more about it and really get into the the psychology of it. Mm. And it's a very fascinating subject. So I wanted to kind of, and most of my, most of my protagonists are more on the criminal side. So, you know, it kind of, gives the reader more of that perspective. And do you, he's do you find that with the profession that you're in in corrections, do you does that give you a better sort of insider knowledge of how things work on that side of things so that you can write about? Not in terms of true, but you know what I mean? Like does it give you more of an uh, an insight on how the, the correction system work so that you can incorporate that into your novels? I would say that it didn't necessarily give me the inspiration to write my characters. Um, but it in one of my books, um, which was my third book, Icebox, that book is a prison thriller. So it helped me to kind of give it the authenticity that it needed. And that's important for me in my books is like I like to – I like to kind of give the authenticity when it's needed and then really give the uh, extreme kind of almost fantasy situations and kind of mix them together. Um, with Icebox, it was, it was really my way of, even though, even though I'm, I'm more of a writer for entertainment purposes, mm. I, I don't really write my books to send out like big messages, like, you know, say out crime or whatever. My books are largely just to enthrall and entertain readers, people who enjoy that, um, my type of writing. But Icebox for me was, that was my chance to really send a message out to the world, which was the portrayal of corrections officers. Um, in most movies, TV shows, whatnot, corrections officers are displayed in a much more in a very negative light. They're mm-hmm. kind of seen as goons or very corrupt or very uh, inadequate and incompetent at their jobs. And 
in Icebox, they're seen as more of a neutral um, entity within the prison. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're of course, you know, because Icebox, my protagonist at this point, who starts off in Ice Rising, my debut novel, he starts off on the street, initially gaining his power, um, building up his reputation. Icebox, the sequel, he's in prison. Whenever he comes across the staff, like I said, it's it's very done in a more neutral, more professional manner. They're not making like snide, snide remarks or totally abusing him. Um, the first officer he meets when he's in prison is the is the officer that watches the the block that uh, my character is living on, and he tells me, he "says Listen, I'm not here to make your life harder. Let, you know, like." Just let me do my time. You do yours. But if I have to come down on you, I will. And I think that's a more accurate portrayal of most officers. They're there to go and okay. they do the job. They take it seriously. They respect mm-hmm. the job. They're not looking to really, you know, crack down on everybody for everything. But if it comes down to it, they will do what they have to do. So yeah. that was a big thing for me. I just got sick of seeing um, especially I, I think the worst one that did that was Orange is the New Black. Have you guys seen that show? Yep, yep, yeah, definitely yeah. love that show. Yeah, all the all the officers in that show are just seen as just they yeah. all have issues and they're all corrupt yeah. and they're all incompetent. And they're all just yeah. crazy. Even the ones that are good end up getting involved in something they're not supposed to. And yeah, it's just I just kind of watched that. I said, wow, that. that this is this is not a show for me <laughs> at all. Yeah, yeah. No, well, me, me, and, me and Ryan are pretty much the same when it comes to the historic movies. Like, you go, that's not accurate. That's not like inaccuracies yeah. of of film, and you know, when they portray people in a, in a way that that's that's not accurate, it's it's a little annoying. You know, I can get that. Right, yeah. right. Just uh, being there for so long, you just kind of yeah, you just kind of feel some type of way when somebody who may not be that well-versed in that world just kind of says, yeah. oh, this is what they're like. That, I've seen Shawshank Redemption. So, yeah, it must yeah. be just like that. Yeah, yeah well, that would be the way. Yeah, like exactly instead, of right. doing, instead of doing actual research, they just watch a movie and go, oh, they did it that way. So And it just trickles down the movies and you're just like, come on. It doesn't, doesn't – just go talk yeah. to someone, you know? <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> Ask me. Just do a little bit of research. Yeah. 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 It's 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 not that hard, but you know they never do it. They never do it. Uh, let's dive into some of your some of your books. Like, uh, t- tell us tell us about them. Like, are they are they all connected in one way? Are they like a story that follows? Are they sequels? Are they a universe? Is it is it the uh, the James Markle's universe? <laughs> so, um, actually, a little bit of everything you just said. I wrote my first book, Ice Rising. I actually have it right here. I actually have them all right here. Um, this was my <laughs> debut novel. Um, this is what we were just talking about. It tells the story of Alexander Lincoln, who grows up in a bad area, but with a solid family. And he's the oldest son. So he he grows up with that kind of that sense of duty to protect. And, you know, certain unfortunate events kind of made him feel obligated to pursue a life of crime because that's what he felt like he had to do, protect those he loves. Mm. But he's also got 
a, a genius business intellect. So as soon as he joins one of the gangs in the city, he's making money and he's building respect and he's got his own principles. Um, but he's realizing that what comes with life on the street is a whole set of problems, not only from outside sources, but inside sources as well. So I'm going to go in chronological order of each book that I wrote. So I'm going to be doing a little bit of jumping back and forth because um, every other book I write is about the Ice series. However, when I finished Ice Rising, I wrote the Ballad of Johnny Carlo. And this was much different for me because Ice Rising is written in the first person. So here I am. I wrote Ice Rising. I said, okay, great. I can write in the first person. Now I want to write in the third person. Now I want to have two protagonists. Um, so this tells a story of we, we talked a little bit about the mafia. This has yeah. a much more mafia dominant um, atmosphere to it. Not so much total mafia thriller, but they are a very powerful force within this story. So Johnny Carlo is, you know, the titular character, the namesake. He's a hitman for the New York City Mafia, got his own code of honor, no women, no kids, no cops. But then times are changing in the mafia. They're getting more ruthless and they're merging with other groups. And it conflicts with Johnny's code of honor. So he ends up eventually leaving the mafia, which is easier said than done. You don't just Mm -hmm. leave the mafia. So he ends up, you know, through contacts, through some help, he gets a new identity, runs down, goes into hiding in New Orleans in Louisiana. And while we're down there, we meet Leisha Abraham, who's a homicide detective in the New Orleans Police Department. And she's everything a cop's supposed to be, smart, tough, dedicated, honest. But she gets involved in this investigating a gang war that her father is involved in because he's the crime lord of New Orleans. So, you know, the apple fell far from the tree. Johnny meets Felicia, and once you know it, they fall in love. Then Johnny finds out that the mafia and the new partners have their sights set in New Orleans, and Leisha is in the way. So he picks his guns back up and goes back into the battle. So this one had more of a uh, little bit of a romance, but not, you know, it's not a you know it's not a romantic drama it's got this book has a little bit of something for everybody you're gonna have a character that's your favorite you're gonna have a character that's your least favorite people you hate to love people you love to hate a lot of action there is romance in there of course a little bit of a love triangle going on um and yeah just a whole bunch of thriller and action so this book is actually probably hands down took me the longest to write about 15 months and you can see this is about 500 pages wow. right here yeah second book second book <laughs> because yeah because all my writing is shooting from the hip I have no idea when we're gonna what I'm gonna write awesome. until it's on the paper so I'm just as surprised as anybody else okay so mm-hmm. I finished Bella Johnny Carlo and I decided to revisit my ice series so I wrote ice box. Uh, this took uh, the least amount of time. Um, and this is, you know, this takes ice, as we mentioned before, it takes ice off the streets and puts them behind the walls of prison. So that's <laughs> that's Alex's nickname on the street is ice. Yeah. And uh, so his initial plan while he's in prison is just do his time, get out, get back to work. 
Well, the problem is that he's told that he has to keep his crew loyal to him on the street while he's inside prison, which is kind of hard to do. Once you're locked up, people tend to kind of move right past you. Like, okay, he's done. He's out the way. So then he's got to figure out how can I keep these guys loyal to me so that when I get out, I, you know, I have a foundation to stand on. And he also has enemies that he made on the street. They're now in prison with him. And I don't know if you've ever had to avoid somebody before, but it's a lot much harder to do in prison because you're locked up with Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Okay. So I, so I wrote Icebox. The challenge for me with Icebox was how do I create a sequel? Right. So my next book, each book is a new challenge for me. My next book, Life's Dark Corners, was how can I write short stories? So Life's Dark Corners is my collection of short stories. I incorporate in this a bunch of different genres within the crime thriller um, category, like psychological, Mm -hmm. urban, uh, pure thriller, things of that nature. I also incorporate a few civilians. So some of the characters in here are actually civilians. Five different characters, five totally different walks of life. Um, and I, they're actually all in the same universe as the Battle of Johnny Carlo. So to answer your question, the Ice series is in a different universe. All right. But Life's Dark Corners and the Battle of Johnny Carlo are in the same universe. Um. The characters don't in this book. The characters don't like come together and meet. Yeah. But one of the stories in here is actually the origin story for the bodyguard of Leisha's father from Balajani Carlo. So how he became the bodyguard to this man who would become the crime lord of New Orleans. So you know, Balajani Carlo for me was so large. I knew I wanted to expand on it. So this gave me the chance to really kind of give that expansion while not necessarily being a, a prequel. Okay, so I wrote Life's Dark Corners. So what am I going to do next? I'm going to write another ice book. <laughs> and this one just came out. I published it uh, posted this, this last month. It's Ice Rain. So what happens in this one? Ice is now out of prison. He's reacclimating back to society. Um, repairing relationships with his family and whatnot. He has a new love interest. He has love interest throughout the book, the series. And, but there's tension between him and the leader and the leader of the gang that he's in. And he's a lieutenant. And he finds out that there are informants in the gang that could bring down his leader. Now, He's told this, and his contacts tell him, listen, just let things fall where they lay, and you you could stand to have the throne. You could stand to become the yeah. boss. Just, just let things go. But he's he's divided because it's like, okay, do I just let things happen, or do I actually stay loyal to my boss and find who these confidential informants are and take them out so I can save him, even though he pretty much at this point hates my guts. So he has that 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 moral conflict, his ambition versus loyalty. Not to mention, he also has a conflict of love. While he was in prison, he met this woman, Regina, who 
kind of really held him down while he was locked up. So when he gets out, he starts the relationship with her. But he also has another love interest uh, in the form of Viviana, who is actually the girlfriend of his boss. And so it's more of a forbidden love. So he's divided between like, okay, do I choose this woman, Regina, who could very much lead me on a different path, maybe out off the street, or will I end up with Viviana, who could really be the 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 queen that I need in order for me to become the king of the underworld. So again, it's another one of those, you know, light or dark pathways that he must choose. Awesome. Okay. Um, so uh, I take it you're working on something else now. Is it, is it going to be a, a Ballad of Johnny um, Carlos uh, related or is it going to be Ice? Do you, are you going to bounce uh, back and it, forth? It's Ballad Johnny Carlo related. <laughs> yeah. It's Ballad Johnny Carlo related. Cool. It's, um, it's actually set before the events of Ballad Johnny Carlo. In the book, there's mentioned that the family that Johnny worked for had been in a mob war with a different family. The book that I'm writing now centers on that family and the events that lead up to the war with the family that Johnny Carlo works for. He's also actually a character in that book. Not so much you know, the main character, because I didn't want to make it a prequel. I just wanted to make it just an expansion, its own story. Kind of similar to um, Sin City. Have you have you ever seen Sin yep. City? Yep. When they yep. have just these different Definitely. characters where like one guy, like the cop will meet like this thug, but and then we'll learn about the thug story yeah. and how they are kind of related, but they you know they're not exactly yeah. like you know, sequels or prequels. It's just their own yeah. different stories. Yeah. Cool. So do you have like a wall of all your ideas that you kind of just are picturing the strings and the notes and tying things together, or, or do you just let things come out of you? They just come out of me. They come, yeah. You know, um, typically what happens is while I'm in the middle of writing one book, the idea for the next one yeah. will start kind of burning a hole in my head. So by yeah. the time I finish the one book, I'm immediately ready to start working on the yeah. next one. And like yeah. I said, all my stuff is firing from the hip. I have no idea yeah. where the story is going to go. Um, apparently Stephen King has the same, uh, he has the same strategy as me. So that's kind of cool. You know, that we have that in common. So I'm I'm not crazy. (laughs) Yeah. No, look, yeah, no, look, I've, I've got a book and I'm, you know, I don't write as much as, as you, I can't pump out five books and, you know. In, in are, are you years. are you a writer, Jamie? Yes, are you I a writer? I never would have guessed. Don't worry, the ads oh, already right. played. The ads already played. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just saying I'm I'm the same. Like I just I, I find it hard to map map things out. And once I've mapped things out, I'm like I, I struggle to write. I just you got to just get into it. No, I totally I I totally understand that. I totally understand. It was it was hard really um, getting into it first. You know, I spent so much time telling people that I want to write a book and I had to sit there and say, dude, are you actually going to do it or are you not? And yeah. what's interesting with that is that this everybody has a different starting point. But for me, yeah. it was just chapter one. 
you know, sit there and just put it on the title. Okay. You've got a chapter. Now let's get a paragraph on there. And, you know, do you have to sit down? Do you have to outline? Some people do me. I don't, I don't need that. Um, for me, that, that that's a luxury, but it does come with a price. You know, you, yeah. You, I'm also not good with deadlines either. I can't tell you when the next <laughs> book is coming out if I'm yeah. in the middle of writing. I can I can probably tell you how many I'll write in a given year. Yeah, but I don't know when it's going to be. Yeah. So how do you know when to stop? That's the question. <laughs> Never stop. Never <laughs> stop until the ideas stop no, coming. No, I mean like finish the book. You know, how do you, you know, how do you oh, know okay. when you, so it's, that's a very interesting question. It's not exactly like a voice in my head. Um, cause I'm not trying to get institutionalized, but it's more <laughs> of, I kind of like to think of it as like a teapot in my head that when I'm writing the teapot is pouring out yeah. and just so, oh, okay. you know, when, 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 when you're pouring the tea out of the teapot, you can feel the weight getting lighter. Yeah. And you can kind mm-hmm. of feel when it's nearing the end. And for me, that's okay. that's that's how I can kind of tell when I'm nearing the end. Is yeah. I'm just feeling like, okay, things are really like like I'm 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 running out. Like the story's nearing its end. This book I'm writing right now, um, it's a heavy, it's a heavy teapot. I tell you what, um, there's a lot in it. I'm a, I'm 180 pages in, and oh, wow. I think I'm just scraping the surface. So now I'm kind of thinking to myself, will I make this into a series, or well, because the families aren't even at war yet. I mean, will, will I make this into a series, or will it just be like maybe will it be a book that's longer than the Bella Johnny Carlo? Mm. But isn't that isn't yeah, that a good problem to have? Huh? Isn't that a good I'm problem sorry. to have? Like that's a really good problem to have. You know, am <laughs> I going to be? I've got so much stuff here. Am I going to make it into a series, or is it just going to be a really long book? I, I'd, I'd much rather have that problem than I don't know if I'm going to have enough for a book. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like that, right, right. to me, I, that I, seems I, like a good kind of problem. I, I totally agree. I would. I would choose this problem yeah. over writer's block any day because I've had writer's block too. All right, now Jamie. Yes, I'm going I'm to throw you. I'm going to throw you a curveball, James. Seeing as you, you know what? I'm very grateful. I'm I'm broke at the moment because of health issues, but in Australia we have the Kindle Unlimited, and all of your books are on Kindle Unlimited. So I'm very very happy <laughs> because I am a massive, massive, massive organized crime mafia fan. Um, from way back, from way back, going back as far as the Godfather, Goodfellas, Casino, you know, you name it, I'm there. So I'm really happy because while we were talking, I was on, I always go on Amazon and check out the writer's books. And I was so happy when I saw that all of the Ice series and the, you know, the ballad book and the other ones, they're all on Kindle Unlimited for you Australian listeners. So jump on. It means if you pay that subscription, you can read James's books for free. Which is great. Yep. Um, obviously, buy the buy them. Like if I had the money, I would be buying the hardcovers because I'm building a shelf at the moment. But as it's obviously seems you're 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 a big fan of you know organized crime of of the mafia in 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 itself. Aside from 
the Godfather series, which you have mentioned is your favorite of all time. What is your next favorite mafia related movie, organized crime related movie? I've got a couple of questions Movies? for you, but we'll go with that one first. <laughs> no, no, I like these questions. Um, fiction or nonfiction? Or does it matter? Uh, does, does, doesn't. Oh, uh, look, give us one of each. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Right. I, I like it. Um, okay. So, one of my favorite nonfictions um, Goodfellas, Casino, yeah. Irishman. I gave you three. Um, I cheated. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Okay. Good, uh, Goodfellas is my is, is Goodfellas and the Godfather series are uh, uh, they're on par for me as my favorite of all time. I can't count how mm-hmm. many times I've watched them them all. Um, but yeah, look, I'll take oh, I'll take that. And then you have fic- fiction as well. Like what what uh, what are some of your fictional ones that you like? Well, um, you know, The Sopranos would be up there. Yes. So, the, 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 I've only actually, so I've YouTubed like all the biggest scenes, um, but I've mm-hmm. only actually sat down and watched completely the first season, but I know oh. pretty much everything that happens. I, I, I did this to myself. I know, I know. I trust me. I have a lot yeah. of friends who have looked at me like that, especially cause I'm like, you know, the mafia guy and I haven't seen all the, yeah. I know, I know it's, it, I, I know it's a crime. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I'd have to say a Bronx Tale would probably be one of my favorite fictionalized yeah, that's, that's a good one. Oh, I love that. Oh, fun fact. Watch- uh, um, fun fact: the guy that was in the Bronx Tale, the kid, is uh, was also yep. in the Sopranos. Oh, okay. And actually, oh, they, who did and actually did Sopranos? ten years in prison. Wow. Mm. Did you know that? Yeah, because. I did not. I'm a, I'm a massive Sopranos fan. That's a yearly watch for me. I could, I me and me and my wife, we absolutely love it. I reckon it's one of one of the the best tellings of of, of organized crime, and not and not just organized crime. How it affects the families, how it affects, the, and it also obviously on the police side, the FBI, and all that kind of thing. So it's my all time favorite series uh, uh, mm-hmm. of all time, and regardless of what genre it is. The Sopranos is, is my number one. Um, it's a monumental but, show. Um, no, oh, seriously, they don't make it like that anymore. And and rest in peace, James Gandolfini. There is, he he. They couldn't have picked a better person for the role of Tony Soprano. And um, Tony Sirico. Too. I just think that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, oh, definitely. Yeah, he passed not long ago. But Paul Paulie Walnuts. Yeah. So mm-hmm. many. It's so many good. Good, um, you know, Frankie Valley was in it from Frankie Valley in the four seasons. He played a, mm-hmm. um, a mafia captain in some of the later seasons. I mean, that's Frankie Valley, the voice of New Jersey. You know what I mean? Like the everyone knows who Frankie Valley is, and it's one of my all-time favorite shows. But I, um, I, um, I definitely agree with you. Goodfellas, hundred um, percent. Casino, um. Yeah, I, there's a there's a good sort of um, non-fiction one called. Have you ever seen Donnie Brasco? I love Donnie Brasco. Donnie Brasco um, with Johnny Al, Depp. Al Pacino. It's really, yes. Al Pacino's my favorite actor. He's my favorite. Oh, actor. there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's the goat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could I could talk I could talk to you about those about <laughs> about um, organized crime movies for days and days and days. But I just wanted to get your take on on what what you know, your favorites were um, in terms of, you know, fiction and non-fiction and 
obviously, you know, there's not too many TV series out there that really tackle it, but I, I would recommend if you ever take a break from writing 24 hours a day, <laughs> seven days a week, um, <laughs> try and get through The Sopranos because it is absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. I will. I, I will. Uh, again, I've seen like all like the big scenes. Um, yeah. You know, YouTube. YouTube is wonderful, but dangerous that way. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I, I've, 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 I've spent years. I spent years like just kind of looking at Sopranos like through the windows. So I pretty much like know yeah. like who gets it and who yeah. doesn't get it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll yeah I'll definitely have to check it out. Oh, um, did you ever see Gotti, the nineteen ninety nine one with uh, yeah Armando Dante with John Travolta? Oh no, with Armando no, no, Dante. No, yes, I did. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I would have yeah. Armando Dante. Um, in the Battle of Johnny Carlo, there's a, a mafia don called Dominic Argento. He's yep. like in his 80s. He's he's kind of like the unspoken boss of bosses. Um, I would yeah. have Armando Sante play him. I would I would love it. Have so, you have you had yeah. any interest? Have you had any anyone reach out in terms of you know optioning some of your stuff? Because it, it's it's I mean mafia stuff is no it's not going out of style mm. ever. You know what I mean? Like right. I I think. Yeah, have you have you had anyone that you can talk about reach out and sort of say, "Hey, look, we we want to do the ice series. We want to look into making the ice series or something like that." I'm always open to it. You know, yeah. I think the ice series okay. would be a great um, TV show. I think Bal Johnny Carlo would be an amazing movie. Um, Life Dark Corners. I'd be curious, like maybe maybe they could do that, like kind of like the American Horror Story, where each season yeah. is its own. Um, mm. story so yeah like i'd be excited star, i think they yeah. could all be great movies and shows well all it takes is one person to see this interview mm-hmm. and so you know i always ask the question it may seem silly mm. sometimes but matthew you never Holmes, know. You're watching. You're, <laughs> matthew all, Holmes. yeah we'll do <laughs> exactly all it takes is the right person to be watching this you know be on youtube at three o'clock in the morning and you know fall mm. down a rabbit hole um, you know what I mean? So yeah, look, I, I think, you know, I'm going to, jo- I'm really looking forward to, I just got your books through Kindle. So I'm really looking forward to, I got nothing but time at the moment to sitting back and, and reading them on my tablet. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. You've, mm-hmm. you've definitely sold me on it. And I think, um, you know, once things get a bit better for me, I'll be definitely making a purchase for my shelf as well. So thank you yeah, so I'm much. I appreciate really that. Forward to oh, no, Mark and let me know what is, you think. You know, I, I love it. I will. I most certainly will. Definitely. I always leave reviews because I know how important they are. Um, mm-hmm. So 100%, I, I will most certainly do that. So anyway, that's my little tangent, Jamie. I'll, I'll let you get well, back on we, to we've done, we've done what We've done what we always set out to do, sell a, sell a book to Ryan on live on yep. the podcast. He's done it many times. And I'm, I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so happy that they're on Kindle because, I, as, as I said, like, <laughs> You know, not 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 poor me or anything, but like I'm I'm very hard. I'm not working at the moment due to due to a medical issue, so I'm so happy that I I can get a chance to read them. Yeah. Um, you know, so thank you very much for agreeing to put them on Kindle Unlimited. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about Kindle Unlimited. You know, I mean, I'm a, I mean, I'm on a budget myself. You know, I've, I've I you know I, I've used Kindle Unlimited before. It's it's very nice, especially when 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 you're when you see so many great books come out, and you're just like, oh man, yeah, man, I can't, I can't, um, you know, I would, I'd love to go to Barnes and Noble, but yeah, mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. I, you know, it's just, well, 
I can't always make it, so I'll go on Kindle Unlimited. Well, I always say we, we've got streaming services for movies and TVs. Why can't we have essentially one for books? And then Kindle Unlimited came out. Yeah. And that's essentially exactly. what it is. It's essentially a streaming service for books. And um, it's for, you know, for people like me, and if it, it, I think you get you get a free trial with your Prime subscription and then you get a discounted rate with your Prime subscription anyway. And, mm-hmm. you know, who doesn't have Prime? I mean, you, you buy Prime just mm-hmm. for the shipping alone. It saves you <laughs> that much money. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just I was just so happy when I saw that. I thought beauty because the more you kept talking about it, the more I was like, you know, so yeah, it makes it easier than going into organized crime, which you know, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, here's a curveball question for you. Um, this, this is a hypothetical question for all you cops listening, but if, if you were going to become a mafia boss or an organized crime boss, uh, what would, what would be your, your thing? Oh, in my racket, um. Man, it, it, it waste management. So it has to be waste management. <laughs> waste management. <laughs> um, man, just the uh, uh, it it would be something that that would really get me. Probably probably like like labor and stuff. Uh, like Sammy Gravano. You, you, mm-hmm. you know about Sammy Gravano? Just the kind of racketeer yep. brand. Yeah. It it'd be something yep. like that. It'd be something like that where. You know, you you just kind of become something that everybody's just got to deal with. You know, instead of like, mm. you know, like, like I I wouldn't do like drug trafficking or anything because no. you know this is too much heat. People come after you and stuff. Yeah. It would be it would mm-hmm. be something that would you know make me respectable in high society and whatnot. And and, and just so everybody knows, I'm not a gangster in real life. You know, we are <laughs> we're talking hypotheticals yeah. here. That, um, that's I would, why, that's I why I'm not that's involved why. in anything illegal. <laughs> that's why I stressed on the word hypothetical. <laughs> this is all just fun. This is all just fun talk. Yeah. We're not conspiring. Yeah. What's that, Tony? No. Frank <laughs> <laughs> caller, Frank caller. <laughs> Forget about it. Forget awesome. about it. Look, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, before we get you to plug you know, plug plug your books. Tell us where we can buy them and all that stuff. I when I was looking into you uh, for preparing for this episode, I noticed that in your bio it says you enjoy playing video games. Um, yes, both me and see Ryan just propped right up. See both me and Ryan uh, avid video game players. But uh, what, what are you playing at the moment? Um, so I'm actually on. I tend to go on binges with video game series. Um, so like I've done like Assassin's yep. Creed. Like two or three times, uh, Grand Theft Auto. Um, right now, I'm on Resident Evil again. Um, nice. Which one? Which know, one? The, <laughs> uh, I just finished Revelations two again. So nice. Nice. I'm a big. So I, I'm a big like story driven guy. I mean, yep. You know, <laughs> uh, so yep. I love the stories behind the games. So what I'll do mm-hmm. is, like, I just played Resident Evil Zero. One, yep. two, three, four, uh, Revelations, five, Revelations, two, mm-hmm. and then I'll be playing six, mm-hmm. seven, eight in the in the uh, in that order uh, chronologically out mm-hmm. of the story. I I, I, I just do that. Nice. I did that with, with Assassin's Creed, mm-hmm. which is my favorite. Um, and it also helps my creativity because when I play, I play video games and I write at the same time. So I get up, okay. I drink my coffee, 
and then I start writing. I turn the PlayStation on. I have a PlayStation. I'm not. I'm not exclusive, but that's why I play right now. Um, yep. <laughs> I'll play for a little bit, and then I'll write, and then I'll play for a little bit, yeah. and then I'll write some more, and I'll play for a little bit, and I'll write, which is great. But it kind of did something to me. So like, whenever I play video games now, I have to also be doing something. So I yeah. set it down every now and then, and also do something else. Like, I'm the same. Okay, wow. Yeah, like, like, okay, cool. I killed that guy. All right, now I have to post this TikTok right quick. <laughs> well, now, now that you've done, now that you've done this, James, I, I, I have to steal it again, Jamie. Um, <laughs> Resident, Resident Evil is my all-time favorite video game franchise. So um, I absolutely love it. I've played. We've become best friends. The remakes. The, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure we did. did. Um, but I've played and finished them all. The remakes, you name it, I've done it. Uh, what's your favorite? What's your favorite out of all? My of them? favorite. You know, for so long it's been four. Um, yep. I would say, I'd say this: four is maybe the best one overall. Seven yep. has been the best one since four um okay. and then eight that. came out eight was a strong sequel to seven yep. um that was the ethan winter remakes, story it was kind of yeah yeah the, the the remakes of two and three were spectacular in my opinion i they think were. they're very good for, yep. they're good for people getting into resident evil now that aren't fans of yep. tank controllers i wish yep. I loved the Resident Evil 4 remaster, but I think they yep. really should have done one and Code Veronica first before they did Correct. four. I, I, I really think they should have remastered Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil Code Veronica and then done four. That's just my take no, on I, it. The four remaster no, no, was amazing, agree. but yes. it was just, it, it was so. It was so strong already, you know. Like, yeah, I can't even. I don't know which one I like better: the original four or the remastered four. Me I personally, think- um, I, I I like the remaster the better, only because um, I felt I had the original four on GameCube when it first came out, and yeah. um, the controls on that were just absolutely horrible. I hated the controls okay. on GameCube. Um, so when they remade it, when, when they announced the remake, um, on, on PS5 and PS4, I thought beautiful. And they use the same engine as they did for two and three, but the good mm-hmm. news is I believe, and I think it's like 90% confirmed, uh, we are getting a code Veronica remake in the next two years. That's the only so, one I, ne- I, that's the only one I never beat. Yep. Yep. I can skip it because it's so hard. I'm not, yep. I'm not I'm not a professional video game player. Um yeah. confession time. I play on easy mode. Uh I am more yeah, me too. Me too. Because you're a story driven guy. That's the same as same yes. as me. I play it on easy mode because I'm a story driven guy. I want the story and the experience. And then once I've finished it on easy, maybe the next time around I'll play it on the next level up. Because I've already got yes. the story. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with that at all. So it's why it's why I can't even watch Dark Souls. No, no, I can't play. I I go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got it's, my it's, friend it's Chris. Like, dude, dude, those 
those worlds are, are amazing. The Dark Souls mm-hmm. and Bloodborne and all that. Like, just the, yep. the, these places that they, cre- they create with them. Um, I'm just going to make this up. Like, City of the Dead or Graveyard, yep. Graveyard of the Lost. I'm like, oh, this is so dark and depressing and gothic and amazing. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I could play it. But I keep dying at the first guy. I and it's <laughs> yeah. like I, I, I consider I consider myself I dying. Well, I consider myself a pretty pretty good gamer. Like a pretty, I finish ninety nine point nine percent of the games that I have. Yeah. Um, but my our friend Chris recommended um, Dark Souls to me because I'd never played it. I missed it. I missed the Dark Souls one, two, and three. And then when they were mm-hmm. they released with the PS five Demon Souls, which essentially is a Dark Souls remake. Yeah. He's like, why don't you check it out? Why don't you check it out? And, and I, I'm the same. I cannot make it through the first half an hour of the game. And I, I rage quit and I refuse to play it. I paid for it. Yeah. Back then I was working, I paid, I, I think, $120 for it, and I refused to play it. Right, right. I wish they'd make an easy version. Just say, hey, you know, yeah, like cool. you fight these guys and they stay dead when you save your game, you know? So they, they, they yeah. don't come back. yeah. And, and if you and, if you yeah. die, you know, like a, you get to a save point, they don't come back to life. But in Dark Souls, everyone just wants to come back to life all the time and kill you. It's not fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I gave up. I rage quit. So I'm with you there on Dark Souls. I, it's 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 such an amazing idea and such an amazing world, and I would love to explore it. But I'm mm. I'm not uh, I, I I'm not that good. Like I'm a decent gamer, but I'm I'm just I'm nowhere near that level where I can do that. Same thing with Elden Ring. I'm very scared to play Elden Ring because of <laughs> of the same thing, because it's it's a, a, our mutual friend Chris has the same thing. And he goes, oh, if you like Dark Souls level difficulty, play Elden Ring. I said, no, thank you. <laughs> you know, it's just. I've actually looked for like the easiest one. I've actually looked like, yeah, like, like, well, like, like, which one's the easiest? Like, I'll try that one. Which one is it? Oh, was Dark Souls 1? No, can't do it. I've said, See, I've no, seen Chris play, play Elden Ring and all I saw him was sneaking up on people and stabbing them in the back. Like, he, And I'm going, come on, man, yeah. you're, you're a warrior. Why aren't you facing them like a warrior? He's like, no, it's too hard. <laughs> but he also, he he also he's, I won't say where he works, but he also works very high up in the corporate world. So that is the going strategy. Yeah. Sneak up behind them and stab <laughs> them in the back. Whether he stabs in the back or, or fights him in front, you know, is it? You know, it doesn't matter who's stronger, it matters who's alive. Yeah. <laughs> well, well all, all, I'll, all I'll say, James, in relation to uh, Code Veronica, keep your eyes on uh, the on on the PlayStation Network around 2025. You will find they're going to apparently they're using the same engine as they did with the two, three, and four remake. Um, so it's going to look amazing. Um, and then Race. and then after that, we're getting Finally we're getting nines. We're getting Resident Evil nine. Yeah, so it's Veronica uh, code Veronica. Then it's nine. So then we're we're sweet. After seven and eight, they're make they're making nine. It's ambitious. Yeah, that's ambitious. Um, apparently nine is apparently nine is the the Ethan saga, Ethan Winter saga is done. Obviously, um, yes. uh, so apparently nine is sort of incorporating his daughter into the Leon Kennedy Resident Evil world, Chris Redfield kind of thing. So, yeah, they're okay. sort of heading back to some of the original characters, but they're, they're bringing Rose along for the ride. So, yeah. Cool. Cool. I'm looking forward yeah, to that. So it'll be good. It'll be a couple of years, but um, the way that they can't fail. I mean, the Resident Evil 4 remake was amazing. I played it. I got it just before I went into hospital and I finished it in two days. 
Not and I'm, when I say two days, I'm talking like it was a weekend. So it was eight hour days. I finished it, mm-hmm. um, and then that was the first game I played when I got out of hospital after two months. So I came home. I'm like, give me two days. I'll play Resident Evil <laughs> 4 again, and it, it was just as exciting as it was. You know what I mean? It, it, you're right by saying it's, it's probably the best Resident Evil game of all time. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Now let's, now let's but anyway, assa- back, do, back to you, James. Let's do Assassin's Creed. What's your favourite Assassin's Creed? Love Assassin's Creed, man. I do. There's, a, there's, um, a, there's only there's only one correct answer. <laughs> I I know Jamie's answer. I'm not a fan. Of, I'm not a I'm not a fan of Assassin's Creed, but this is the one Assassin's Creed I played and I like, and so I know what Jamie's answer is going to be. So I know exactly what, and we're all about to say the same thing. Then uh, Black Flag. Yes. 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 We are officially Black best flag. friends. Uh, Black Flag. I yeah. Um, now I feel okay. like replaying it just by talking. I, <laughs> I I say Black Flag because it it can bring people that aren't really big fans of of, of the Assassin's Creed thing. Yeah, it can bring them yeah. on and say, okay, well, we've also got a whole bunch of this that's you know that you can also enjoy. And then when you're done with this, go to the storyline. Um, yes, Black Flag is amazing. Uh, mm. God, I, just, I I I remember so fondly. Um, just, 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 just sailing on the water. The guys were singing, and occasionally you don't have to fight anybody. Just sailing, and the guys yeah. were singing. Um, God, I, yeah, Black Flag's probably my favorite. Um, Rogue is up there too, and Syndicate, and Assassin's uh, Creed too. I'd have to say though, those are probably mm-hmm. my favorites. Black Black Flag's up there, but um. Love Syndicate because I love Victorian London. Yeah, Rogue was uh, very similar. Uh, I grew. I I hated it at first. I grew to love it, and then Assassin's Creed too because I love the music. Mm. I I so. the only other I tell I did tell a lie. The only other one I got into was Odyssey, which was more like the role playing, like more like an RPG. Yes. Um. So that was interesting. I did enjoy that. I don't think I finished it, but I did enjoy that one as well. But Black Flag, Jamie's been Jamie was nagging me playing mm. Black Flag ever since I've met him, and yeah. I finally did. And I thought, okay, all right, cool, cool. <laughs> I see what you're talking about now. It's, it's, it's all about the sea shanties, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred oh, percent. I was just like, I got it. I got to get. Gotta, you gotta find I, those. <laughs> well, I did. I did try. I tried one, two, three, and four. And I just couldn't get into it. I don't know why. I just could not get into it. So I did try. It's not like I just didn't. Yeah. I didn't try any others like like Rogue Syndicate Brotherhood or anything like that. I didn't try that. But um, yeah, Assassin's Creed is, is. I don't know. I just. I. It's it's just not my cup of tea. But then I play Black Flag and I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> At least there's one. There's one entry yeah. that I really enjoyed. We'll get you there. We'll get you there. Awesome. Well, yeah. like I said a million times, thanks for coming on, James. Uh, just yes, tell tell you. our listeners and viewers where, where they can get your books, uh, where they can follow you on social media, if you have a website, all that. Plug you plug yourself away. Definitely. Okay, so um, we talked about earlier. I have five books out. Boom. This is all of them together in no uh, particular order, but these are all of them. Ice, where is it? Ice Rising. Ice Box, Ice Rain, the Ballad Johnny Carlo, 
and Lifestar Corners. All of them are available on Amazon for Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, paperback, <laughs> yep. and Ballotonic Carlo also has a hardcover version to it. Oh, nice. Um, anybody that wants to follow me, I'm a, on TikTok at James the Real Mike. That's my my username. Um, I'm also on YouTube as James Michael's Books. I am on Facebook at James the Real Mike. I'm on Twitter at James Real Mike. I'm on Instagram as James E. Michaels. <laughs> and my uh, <laughs> you can always reach out to me on my website, jamesmichaelsbooks.com. It has my email subscription form. You can jump on there to get access to any deals that are coming out, um, new books, events, new content, what have you. Um, all my books are on my website as well. You can go on there. You click on the book. It'll hyperlink you right to Amazon where you'll find out a lot more about it. And my own personal email is on there. So anybody that would like a signed copy of my book, you can always hit me up. And uh, Or if you just want to say hello and just tell me what you thought about the book, you can always jump on there and say, hey, I hated your book or I loved your book. <laughs> so, And here's why. So I think that's everything. Yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Awesome. But what, so what James what James forgot what James forgot to say is if you send him an email that said you hated the book, you'll be sleeping with the fisher. So don't worry about that. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> awesome. You Thanks, just send Simon. you just send those you just send those emails to Uncle Ryan and we'll we'll get something happening, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> The shoes, bro. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, listeners, for listening and watching. Uh, if you want to reach out, the true and the fictional at gmail.com. We are on Instagram, stories underscore podcast. We're over at Facebook. We're pretty much the first thing that pops up on Google. Uh, yep. So we'll catch you next time. And we worked hard for that. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> See you guys.